Hello and welcome to the last episode, episode number five of Sarah's Stories. Today we're going to be talking about the New York Times, possibly the most infamous newspaper within the United States, or possibly even further internationally. Um, Yeah, New York Times is very well known, and today we're going to be talking about some of its stories in a very busy news cycle. Our first story is headlined, Europe confronts coronavirus as Italy battles an eruption of cases. So this article was interesting because I was working on it on my phone and then I switched over to my laptop and it had the same headline, but when I clicked on the story, the headline changed and the lead changed a little bit and there was quotes there that weren't there before and vice versa. And I was very confused, but then I realized the story was just updating as I was reading it because sometimes people publish things and it's like, wait, that doesn't quite make sense. And then they go back and edit it. But I just never, I've never seen it happen in real time, I guess. Um, but it was also kind of big changes, like not just one word, like a whole entire thing. Like there was a quote in the original article that I thought was very weirdly translated because it was from an Italian um, person. Um, and just didn't really sound right. And then the second article, once I updated it, once I, once it updated, just the whole entire quote, the person was not even included, which I thought was super interesting. Um, they, yeah. So it was like, it was, it's kind of like there was story A and story B and somebody messed it up and they actually put story B up because it was just, it was so quick that they edited it, but it was so different. Um, So I just thought that was very interesting, and I wonder what the process was behind that, or reasoning behind that. Um, But to the actual story, so the lead was good overall, but I have some issues with it as usual. So the lead says, Europe confronted its first major outbreak of the coronavirus as an eruption of more than 150 cases in Italy prompted officials on Sunday to lock down at least... 10 towns, close schools in major cities, and cancel sporting events and cultural touchstones, including the Venice Carnival. So, it's a little bit long, I think. Whenever you have to stop and take a breath in between, within the lead, I think it's probably a little bit too long. Um, but besides that, the last part of it that's talking about um, closing schools and sporting events in the Venice Carnival... I'm not disputing that that's important because that is very important. Um, But it sends a little bit of a mixed message because the actual part of the article that talks about those things doesn't happen until about 70% through the article, and which kind of conveys the idea that it's like, oh, it's just kind of like a side thought, you know? One of those things like readers probably aren't going to get to. Um, So putting it in the lead, which is the most important part of the imp- the article, the most important information that everybody needs to know, and then also putting it in a part of the article that is like, oh, this isn't as important. That's just kind of sending a mixed signal. So I think they either need to leave it out of the lead um, or they need to move it up in the article, either one of those. But either the way it is right now is mismatched, and I didn't appreciate it. Um, but besides that, good lead. And the most important information. So 
Um, just in general, this whole article, which, okay, I guess I should explain what it's about. So it's about the coronavirus is in Italy right now, and they experienced a huge increase in cases um, within a small amount of time, despite what it seems from the article, a very strong attempt to contain it. Um, it just seemed like Italy wasn't really prepared for this. Um, maybe just Europe in general isn't because it's such an open border type geog- geography place. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of hard to contain within people within countries in Europe um, as it is other places in the world. Um, so it was about Italy at first and then it, it goes on to talk about how other countries who have experienced like at least one case are uh, handling it reacting like United States, Japan, I think, China, obviously, and places like that. And how that just kind of, where, where the coronavirus is going, like what the danger is. Um, so the story in itself was very interesting, I thought, and it made me worried um, for the world. But I mean, I guess it's important for journalism to make people feel something, so made me feel something for sure, um, yeah, so besides that, it's just, the story is very syntactically and vocabulary-wise very complicated, it's just one of those things where there's a paragraph that's really just a sentence, but it seems like so many sentences because it just keeps on winding around and around, there's hyphens and commas, and just so many breaks and things you have to, like, antecedents you have to keep track of. And I had to read over so many sentences in this article, and I was really confused. And I don't know, I think just whoever wrote this needs to learn the merits of a simple sentence. Because there were not many simple sentences in this article. And that's something I had to learn when I first started journalism, because I was very good the whole English essay type writing where you really you do all that winding and around and stuff in your sentences um I was not used to being simple and direct and using very I I guess you could say dumbed down vocabulary but I mean it's very important I understand as a reader that people are unlikely to read past that complicated paragraph they're likely to just skip over it and if there's too many of those in a row, then they're just going to leave the article in general because, I mean, who wants to wade through all of that? Not me. I mean, I have to for this assignment, but if I didn't have to, I probably would have left and found news about the coronavirus some other way. So, yeah, that that was a big, big, big critique for me. Um, so positive, positives on this story is that there was a sidebar in the middle, um, I guess towards the top. It was kind of like what you need to know about coronavirus, little sidebar thing. And I don't really click on it because I don't, don't, like, I already feel like I need, I, I know, I already know what I need to know. But I thought that was important to include um, and include as high up as they did, just in general for all stories like this because it does have an impact on us, even if we are not in Italy and not, maybe we think we're not directly impacted by it. Um, and the story, I think it did get better as it went on, but there was still, the syntax and vocabulary was just, it was just too much. Um, and I really liked the emphasis, the emphasis on Italy's lack of control. They kind of used, they used a story 
or I guess not a story, like imagery of groceries like being out of stock. Like it's kind of like a snowstorm type thing. And then also how like they're stopping motorists on the side of the road and telling them to stay where they were just so they wouldn't spread it accidentally. Like just stuff like that just emphasized the chaos of Italy and their government right now. And I thought that was um, a really great picture of what was going on. And it, I mean, it stuck with me. So that was good. Um, but overall, the story was just too complicated. And I hope they, they edit it again so that it is less complicated. All right, on to the next story. All right, story number two. This one is about Bernie Sanders and the Democratic race for presidential nominee. So it is headlined, Sanders looks to knock out Biden as pressure builds on Democrats. And I do have a problem with the headline after reading the article because the article is about Sanders looking to knock out everybody, not just Biden. And it's really just about it's just not just about Biden and Sanders, and it really doesn't include Biden any more than any other Democratic candidate. So that doesn't really make sense. A little misleading. Um, but not entirely wrong, because it is true. He is looking to knock out Biden, as well as other Democrats. Um, but yeah, so let's move on to the lead. So the lead is from Houston. It says, energized by his landslide vistory victory in the Nevada caucuses, sorry, I can't pronounce things right now, Senator Bernie Sanders turns his focus to President Trump on Sunday while his campaign made plans to try and win the coming South Carolina primary and amass an insurmountable delegate lead on Super Tuesday next week. It's a good lead. Again, too long. Um, I'm sure they could have found a way to take a few words off of that. And move them to other parts of the article. Um, but other overall, I think it was a good lead. So the problems, the real problems, begin in the second paragraph where it, it, it starts with Mr. Sanders. And I don't know, I've just never seen this before. But throughout the article, it says Mr. Sanders and it says like Mr. Biden, Mr. Trump, Miss Klobuchar. Is that how you say her name? Miss Warren, like, it it says Miss, Miss and Mr. instead of just doing their last names, like, normal, or saying, like, um, representative or senator or whatever, um, or president. Like, it just says Mr. and Miss. I just don't get that. Like, why would they do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I would really appreciate some feedback on that. Um, but yeah. So, and also this, the second sentence really bothers me because it's so long. Okay, so it says, Mr. Sanders plans to be up on the air with commercials in every South Carolina media market this week. And his staff is scrambling to add new rallies to his schedule as they take aim at their next big target, colon, overtaking the front runner in Saturday's primary there, comma, former Vice President Joseph R. Biden Jr., comma, to all but extinguish his candidacy candidacy like there's just there's just so much going on there um where the colon is they definitely that's definitely a good place to figure out some way to divide the sentence um and the the use of the word there 
did confuse me for a little bit. I mean, it makes sense. Like, you could figure it out from the sentence, but it you have to work for it a little bit, maybe, if you're not paying attention super closely. Um, yeah. And, like, the other article, this happens way too often, where there's one sentence that should be two or three, and there's a lot of syntax in little winding ways around pair okay, little winding paragraphs, I guess you could say, that could be more direct, be more clear, and they could have named their antecedents, things like that. Happened a lot in this article, like the other article. So the article is mostly about Sanders and pressure for other Democrats to drop out. And it's kind of weird because it, this isn't really journalism, but journalistic, like, critique. But it was talking about how, like, beat Pete Buttigieg should drop out because blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what do you mean? He's doing, like, he's, like, in second or third. I don't understand. Like, I don't, they didn't really explain that. Maybe I should know that. But I feel like he's been winning, so why should he drop out? There's just a lot of things like that. Like, it seemed like they were saying that all the Democrats should drop out except for Sanders, Biden, well, maybe Biden, and maybe Warren, which, you know, might be true, but I don't know. It just seemed a little a little attacky on all the other Democrats without being blatantly attacking them, but I don't know. It was just, it was just kind of off-putting article. I don't know. Maybe I was reading too much into it. Um, yeah, but just in general, it was kind of confusing. The whole article didn't seem to have any sense of organization. Like, I didn't, I couldn't, at no point did I really know what was going to happen next in the next paragraph. It just seemed like a collection of paragraphs rather than an organized story. Um, it just seemed hastily done. And lastly, what I'll say is that the last paragraph does not seem like an ending paragraph at all. Like, I could very easily... If I read that with like out of context, I'd be like, that could be in the middle of the paragraph. Like, that could be anywhere in the article, but not definitely not the last paragraph, because it just doesn't make sense there. So the paragraph reads, Yet even if Mr. Steyer underperforms in South Carolina, as he did in Nevada despite vastly outspending the field, and Mr. Biden emerges with a clear victory, moderate Democrats are still facing a larger dilemma. Period. Mr. Bloomberg and Mr. Biden are on a collision course to divide votes, particularly along Afri- among African Americans on Super Tuesday. Uh, I like this. It's kind of funny how how much does this doesn't make sense because they never. I mean, they they talked about the, the African American vote in this article, but they never talked about Mr. Bloomberg and or Mr. Mike Bloomberg and Joe Biden as being like the people it was against. They never it, people it was between. They never mentioned them specifically. They just mentioned that Sanders wasn't as good as it, I guess. Um, And, like, Mr. Steyer, like, they barely included... They just... The most... They talked about him in this article was, like, how he actually qualified for the debate this time or something like that. So I just... I don't know. Maybe I just didn't read this article very well because it does... The whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, so I just, this article was not good in my opinion at all. Yeah, okay, that's all I have to say. I'm sorry. The third story is more of an investigative piece, nothing to do with politics or really current events. 
Um, it is called How Neighbors Feud in Paradise Launched an International Rape Case. And I was intrigued. Um, I like investigative reporting like this, sort of long term, um, where you have to research a lot, not really breaking news exactly, but I guess you enterprise story. I don't know if that's what you call it. But yeah, stuff like that, I think it's interesting. So I was attracted to the story. Um, and I really liked the lead. So the lead, it is kind of long, but it's in one of those like feature-ish type stories. I think that's more acceptable. So the feature, or the, the lead reads, The Bahamian Pleasure Palace featured a fa Mayan temple, full sculptures of smoke-breathing snakes, and a disco with a stripper pole. The owner, Peter Nigard, a Canadian fashion executive, showed off his estate on TV shows like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, and through loud beachfront parties reveling in the company of teenage girls and young women. In the second paragraph, which I think is important, next door, Louis Bacon, an American hedge fund billionaire, presided over an airy retreat with a lawn for croquet. Mr. Bacon preferred hunting to lawn with a bow and arrow to attending wild parties, and if mentioned at all in the press, was typically described as buttoned up. Now, like, I know this is... It was a lead in the first paragraph, but it's, I kind of see it all as a lead. Um, and I really like this kind of lead because it kind of brings a context to it, more colorful context than just the straight-up facts. Um, you kind of get an idea of who these people are before you even really start the article. And, yeah. So I thought that I really enjoyed these leads. Um, and... I also really enjoyed it was this third paragraph. The first sentence of the third paragraph says, The neighbors had little in common except for extreme wealth in a driveway. And I just, I love that sentence. I just, I just think it's very interesting. It just puts the whole story into context. Um, so the whole story is about, it's a very long story. Um, so it's basically about this conflict between um, Nigard and Bacon that... I mean, supposedly, it seems like it started before this, but supposedly it really heated up after there was this fire um, on the guard's property that he blamed Mr. blamed Bacon for. Um, and then they just kind of sued each other for all these things because the government wouldn't let Nagard rebuild his house for whatever reason. Um, but he thought that Bacon sort of intentionally burned his house down or something like that because he's really into the environment um so obviously nothing's really proven there but all we know is Nagard blames Bacon for his house burning down and not being able to rebuild um and then they started suing each other and then that's where it gets interesting because they started suing each other for the most ridiculous things ever like they accused, um, what was it? Let me see. Let me just read this. Okay. Let me just read these, this paragraph because it kind of shows the absurdity of the situation. So it says, Mr. Nagard sued over changes his neighbor had made years of earlier to the driveway. Then he sued the government, saying it was colluding with Mr. Bacon to force him off the island. The allegations became more bizarre. One street protest in Nassau featured men in white hoods and placards proclaiming, Bacon is KKK. New websites funded by Mr. Nagard claimed Mr. Bacon was responsible for several murders, court records show. 
a video made by Nagard's staff, according to the former contractor, superimposed Mr. Bacon's face onto the collapsing Twin Towers. Like, this is just crazy. And this whole story was insane. Absolutely insane. Um, because they just, these guys obviously hate each other. And they will go to whatever lengths possible to ruin each other's lives and reputations. Even if the stuff, like, some of the stuff in this article is probably true. Um, some of the accusations. It's just crazy how far they would go to hurt each other. And I think that's kind of, um, the, what do you call it? I guess it's the second purpose of this article. The first purpose is to, um, sort of expose... Mr. Nagard and how he, um, I guess you, you would say alleged sexual predator, even though the evidence is very highly stacked against him, but you still have to say alleged. Um, mostly it's about that, but the secondary purpose is just like, these people are crazy. Like they are really going so far and they're both so rich. I just don't, there's something, it seems it's so personal it seems like there must be more behind the story, even though there's a lot in the story already. But yeah, it just it just an, it's an intriguing story, and I was very interested. Um, there was there was a good part about it that was like um. It said at one point together, Mister Nigard and Mister Bacon are worth close to the annual budget of the government of the Bahamas, which is I think that was a very good example of sort of. They always tell you in journalism that you're supposed to um, make your numbers concrete in a way. Um, because just saying, like, five million, like, nobody knows what five million means. So just kind of making that into something that we can understand. And I thought that was a very good example of that. Um, and there's a sentence in the article that said, Some women said they felt exploited by both men. By Mr. Nagard for sex and by Mr. Bacon against his enemy. And I thought that was a very important nuance to make. It's how it's like, it's not really, it is a hero villain story, except it's not. It's like really extreme villain and like less villain story. That's kind of what it is. Like villain hurting another villain. That's, that's something worse. I don't know. So it's just, it kind of, it's more like real life. It's not. An idealized version of what happened it's it's a messy and that's what the whole that's that's a problem with this article but it's also a strength the article is very messy because i found it hard to follow at some points because just these absurd things kept happening and it seemed like there was no real cause and effect it was just like it just happened 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 everything was always happening and there were so many people involved that it was hard for me to um, remember who was who and things like that but I think the journalists did as best as they could because it's like it's just such a messy story I feel like there's no way after reading it to make it more simple than they did unless you were gonna leave stuff out which I also think is very important to not do in this situation because it is about something that's so important which is um, these rape accusations and by these terrible accusations and also accusations of bribery from both Bacon and Mr. Nagard um, and all the people associated with them. Just 
lots of controversy and covering it up and everything going on here. Um, and it was interesting because they managed to not interview um, either Nungard or Bacon because they both said no. Um, basically, it seemed like. And, but they interviewed, like, all their attorneys and people connected to them, but it's just interesting. It would have been interesting to see what they had, they wanted to say, but I guess we're only going to get the, the PR version from their attorneys. Um, but that's to be expected, I guess. So, critiques, I mean, it's just messy, but I, I really, like I said before, I don't know how you would have fixed that. Maybe there's a way. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there really, there really isn't any critique besides it just being messy. Um, in general, I liked how the first part, they didn't really accuse Miss, like, they, before they started getting into the specific accusations against Nagard, they kind of did a general, um, they painted his lifestyle without, like, quoting anybody, really. I don't know. They just kind of painted, like, this party lifestyle and, like, exuberance and luxury and how he, like, talks about women and stuff like that. So they kind of give this give you this context where you realized, even if there's not this, like, direct scientific proof that he... Like, there's... It's, it's always this he said, she said thing when it comes to the um, rape accusations. But the way they painted his lifestyle, it it made the reader realize that it's really not far leap. Like, it's not even a leap at all. It's maybe a step um, from his lifestyle and the way he just acted to these accusations. Like, it's so believable. Um, even though he is very... He's putting a lot of money and effort into denying all of that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I just thought it was an interesting story. And I wish there was a way to make it more simple and understandable. But, I mean, that's life. You know, life is messy. And sometimes you can't. You have to include everything, but you can't. I don't know. Maybe maybe they could have divided paragraphs a little bit more. Maybe that would have helped. Or kept on, continued to um, re-identify people. Like, after a few references, being like, oh, yeah, Mr. Smith, like this person again, like, having a little explanation, because I just had, kept on forgetting who people were, because they kept on reintroducing new people, because it was like, there's obviously the, the main people, and there's their, their attorneys, and people involved with them, people who accuse them of things, and money, and all this stuff, there's just so many people, um, but in general, I really like this story, um, and I would recommend reading it, so, yeah, that's all I got for today.